everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Cryptids Decrypted. Today we're covering a myth that was actually suggested from Reddit by an awesome user named Fossil Rexjaw. It's called Nkelium Bembe. It's fascinating, and I think you know, both John and I had a lot of fun researching this myth, and it's definitely one we wouldn't have looked at had it not been suggested. So... If you have myths or legends you want us to cover, go ahead and suggest them on Reddit, uh, add us on Twitter, I don't know, send us an email, uh, I think it's cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com, I believe, I believe that's operational, if not, you're just going to be yelling into the ether, but either way, uh, a fun weekend activity. Uh, before we get into it, just a quick note, I have an audio drama, it's called Man of the Mountain, it is about a man who dresses up like Sasquatch to maintain the myth. And then the tabloid reporter who calls real monster hunters from the History Channel to chase after him. Uh, it's got a lot of action. It's got a lot of suspense. It's got some humor for sure. It's up for free right now on all streaming platforms. If you just search A Man of the Mountain, Ashton McCauley, uh, because I'm really bad at naming things. Apparently, A Man of the Mountain is generic. So you got to search my name as well. Uh, you'll find it for free. There's seven episodes up. There's going to be nine total. Uh, they will all be entirely free. And, you know, if you like it and you want to support us, you can go ahead and buy the paperback that comes out on March 2nd, or you can go ahead and buy the full audiobook on Audible. Totally up to you, but either way, just appreciate your listens. And then one final note uh, before we kick things off, John and I may have gone a little bit off the rails towards the end of the podcast, so you're going to hear a point where I say, uh, I'm pretty sure that's all we've got, and you can keep listening past that point, but we're not really talking about cryptids. I think we end up talking about our, our reading habits for, you know, like five, ten minutes. So if that's not your thing, feel free to shut the podcast off. Anyways, I'll talk to you at the end about when next episodes are coming and other stuff we're doing. Awesome. Enjoy. And today we're talking about basically a fan-requested myth that is very weird, and I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. I've heard it a couple of ways, but Macaulay Mbembe? Uh, the way I heard it is Mkele Bembe. Mkele Bembe? Mkele Bembe. Mm-hmm. So Mkele Bembe. I was looking at a couple of YouTube videos, and that's how the na- the local fisherman pronounced it. <clears throat> Mkele Bembe, also known as the one who stops the flow of rivers. It's a pretty weird one, but before we get started with that myth, I wanted to, to play a game that you had an idea for, John, and that I played with my last guest on the podcast. Uh, you know, two truths and a cryptid, truth or cryptid, whatever we end up calling it, one of those things. So I'm going to read you three creatures. One of them is a cryptid. The other two are real. Please, please make um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music start right oh. now. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get some sweet game show music. Uh, I think I found some cool. free ones I can use. Okay. All right. First up, we have the Babirusa. This is a distant relative of modern pigs and sports four tusks rather than the traditional two. Uh, it is found in Indonesia, and locals say they know where it is because they find trenches that it has dug to ward off its territory. Okay, so Pumbaa. Kind of, yeah. Pumbaa, but like more more vicious with more horns. Okay. This creature looks like an eel, but sports rows of concentric teeth used for burrowing beneath the skin of unexpecting prey. Uh, these creatures have been sighted everywhere from Africa to the Great Lakes of the Americas, and are some kinds called river monsters. Okay. Uh, another river monster, this big scaly fish can be up to 12 feet long and sports a single horn on its head that it uses to attack its prey. 
Man, that's hard. Um, <clears throat> each of those sounds very cryptidy. The four tusk thing, and then the fact that they haven't actually seen it. They've just seen trenches. Oh, no, they've seen it. Sorry. That that one is like very well. They, they have seen it. All of these have been spotted, I should say. Okay. The second one's just creepy that it's in the Great Lakes. Now, the third one, I mean, we've got the narwhal, but a fish with a horn. The way I think about it, you remember we have a uh, arapaima. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with option one. That is uh, that is real, and it is actually a food source in Indonesia. It has been farmed for three thousand years. The, oh wow! The babi rusa. Okay. Uh, the second creature is a lamprey, which is uh, horrifying, and apparently they are now an invasive species and can be found in the Great Lakes of the U.S. And it's a real problem. <laughs> so never go to Lake Michigan. Yeah, got it. Yeah, it's just an eel with rows of teeth uh, that burrows beneath Ugh. your skin and uh, and and eats you. I maybe could have done without knowing that. Yeah, me too. I mean, lampreys are, I mean, they're pretty small too. So it's, it's just, ugh. Uh, and the last one is the cryptid. It is the White River Monster. It uh, reportedly was first spotted off the banks of the White River as far back as the Civil War. And uh, people say that it sank riverboats, despite the fact that it was only 12 feet long. Well, riverboats back then, you know, they weren't what they are now. Basically balsa wood, right? Yeah. Actually, that's not true. I have seen Wild Wild West. And I know that the river boats are basically tanks. And they have giant mechanical spiders in Wild Wild West, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. I'm really happy Will Smith turned down the Matrix for it. Will Smith turned down the Matrix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Will Smith was going to be Neo. He turned down the Matrix for Wild Wild West. He said it is one of his biggest regrets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he Keanu made a big Reeves, bet that, on that movie. That kind of launched Keanu. Hey, Bill and Ted launched Keanu. Yeah, but... And, and Point Break. Fair, but this was like... I don't know, The Matrix was... It showed that Keanu has more than just, Oh, I'm a surfer, bro. But did it, though? Did it, though? Yeah, absolutely it did. God, okay. Topic for another podcast we had did. It did show he's dedicated to the craft, and we all love Keanu, so that should clearly bump our ratings at least a little bit. Oh, uh, God. Uh, Mkele Bembe. Mkele Bembe. We're talking about Mkele Bembe. And Mkele Bembe is a water-dwelling creature from the Congo River Basin. And it looks a lot like a sauropod or, you know, a brontosaurus, if you will. Those big, long neck fuckers in Jurassic Park. More specifically, not just the basin, but Lake Tele. Um, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But I, everything that I've read kind of cent- or centers back on that single lake, which... You know, looking at Google Maps doesn't look to be that large of lake, and its average depth is like 12 meters. See, that's interesting. So I, I read a lot of sightings from the, the, the oh my god, the Lakuala Swamp region. We're going to fuck this up. There's a lot of African uh, names here. We're going to do uh, our best. This is, there's no ill intent. We're just, we're trying. If you're going to cancel one of us, cancel John. I wouldn't be offended. I would just write you an angry letter. <laughs> but, so the origin of um, Kelly and Bembe can actually be traced back to around 1910. Uh, and there's this book titled Beasts and Men, uh, which is written by a showman and zoologist named Carl Hagenbeck. And this is around the time when interest in dinosaurs was at a fever pitch because we were digging up uh, some pretty crazy dinosaur bones and, you know, like putting them, putting them on display and it was igniting the imaginations of the people. And it's actually around that same time that we started first hearing the myths of God, the Loch Ness Monster. And in general, at that time, Africa was considered by many to be a dark continent because continent because people were ignorant. And it was much easier to just, you know, assume that all these fantastic stories about this, this continent far away were true than, uh, you know, do a little research. 
and that really fueled this fire. When did Africa really start getting explored and we started mapping out everything and actually seeing what was there? I guess by white people or by the people who live there? By the people who wrote all of these books because the locals swear by this creature. There have been a hundred sightings by the locals. So, and there's some contention about that, but we'll jump into that later. Yeah, that's, that's a tough question I don't know the answer to. Um, but I, I can tell you that this, so in the early 20th century is when you do have a lot of British explorers financing expeditions going into Africa and looking for, for weird shit. Carl Hagenbeck was one of the first people to promote this concept of dinosaur-like uh, reptiles living in Africa, painting it as the land that time forgot, the land before time, uh, if you will. You just had to throw that in there. I really did. I couldn't let it go. R.I.P. Littlefoot. Ugh, that's going to make me cry just thinking about it. Dude, it was 65 million years ago. You're fine. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's Time has passed. But the cryptozoology community, they they ran with these stories of uh, di- living dinosaurs because, you know, what, why not? And Carl Hagenbeck, he never presented any evidence from Kelly Mbembe. He just said there are living sauropods in, in Africa in this remote region of the Congo River Basin. He never provided any facts or evidence, and it just sort of escalated really quickly. And, you know, because the public was so ready to believe and make these new associations, everybody was totally on board. And they're like, yeah, that, that totally seems plausible for Africa. You know, they, they latched onto the fact that it was so similar to Brontosaurus and Diplodocus. But anyway, the place that it hails from, the Lakua Swamp region, is thought of as kind of a lost world as far as the cryptozoology community is concerned. Because it's not just stories about um, Kelly Mbembe that come out of that area. There are stories about all sorts of other dinosaurs. So people have reported there's one that has like a, like a horn, almost like a triceratops, and is, you know, running around goring various animals like, uh, you know, elephants and hippopotami, like fearsome creatures. They're saying that there's dinosaurs running around killing them. You know, all these, uh, all these cryptozoological studies and books and things, they probably fueled a lot of the great fiction we got from that era, like Congo and probably Jurassic Park. Like I look back at Michael Crichton's work and I have to think that a lot of what he wrote probably came from these early cryptozoological articles and stories, which is pretty wild. I could see that. Yeah, and especially, I think, uh, God, I think Congo is the one that deals with basically killer killer apes, I think, in the, in the Congo region, and also has a really terrible movie with Bruce from Evil Dead in it. Hmm. Well, well worth a watch if you have the time, and, and worth a read, actually. But back to Michele Mbembe. So let's let's talk about what this thing looks like. So it's, it's like a traditional brontosaurus, but it's got more of like a reptilian head it doesn't quite look like the traditional dinosaurs it's honestly that it sounds like it's a i've said this before it's a creature designed by committee where it's just whatever people were willing to believe at the time they kind of just amalgamated it into this dinosaur like thing and people said it's primarily aquatic but it does have short stubby legs that can be used to walk on land so that's partially maybe why they think it's from that lake john is because it had it does have legs so it can it can you know like plod out of the water it's probably not very fast well and there's the tunnel system oh right of course the, the tunnel system too which like takes me back to my conversation with david george gordon when we were talking about that in the u.s where he talked about uh river monsters and sea monsters traveling through aquifers people believe pretty similar things about Nkele Mbembe. and the the weird part about all this right is there's all these stories about it and 
they they talk about how it attacks villagers and kills everybody but doesn't eat the bodies because it's a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's like, what? What? There's this big fearsome creature that's a vegetarian. There's even stories about how it like specifically hates hippos uh, and will just like destroy them if they come anywhere near it to the point where there's no hippos in that region of the Congo. And I'm not like a biologist or anything, so I can't say like maybe maybe that region is just not hospitable to hippos. Maybe it has nothing to do with a giant dinosaur killing them, but that's one of the pieces of evidence well, that people cite. More people die of hippo attacks than they die of shark attacks every year, and maybe maybe Mkele Mbembe is on our side. Maybe. You know, he's he's the hero we need. Could be a shark. I just gendered I just gendered Mikola. Yep. Oh. No, I think I think I did it first, so Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean and that's pretty much it for the the basic history of the creature its just a fucking dinosaur that lives in the uncharted Congo territory. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard a few, or I've read, I haven't heard, I haven't gone out and interviewed people. We're not that successful yet, um, but one day. Uh, but I've read a few, few different conflicting things where, like you said, it feels like an amalgamation of a lot of different people and their opinion and what they think it theoretically could look like, but... Um, it's been misidentified as a rhinoceros when guidebooks have been shown to villagers. Uh, it theoretically looks like almost like a crocodile, like a very large crocodile, but it doesn't have scales, but it's somewhat reptilian. So there's a lot that goes into that. And I think it's interesting too, because, you know, they, a lot of people talk about the villager identification as being one of the silver bullet pieces of evidence for this creature. And they said, like, we showed them a guidebook and the only animal that they pointed to was a sauropod. And I don't know. That's just it's not very convincing to me. Like like with all the cryptids we look at, the the best evidence, they say, comes from these eyewitness reports. And especially in these cases, when there's a translator in the middle of it. I don't know. I, I just don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's really true. I guess some of the videos I watched, they definitely could have just made up the uh, made up the subtitles. Yeah, I know. I think I watched the videos you sent and I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I was just taking it at face value. It's like, oh yeah, that must be what they're saying because it's, it's, it's written below them. Yeah, they could have just said, yeah, I was washing my laundry and then I was doing some stuff and then you told me to say. <laughs> you said point at which of these creatures is your favorite. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, let's jump into kind of the sightings of what we've seen then. Um, like you had said, it stands for the creature that dams the river or blocks the river, right? Yep, that's right. They, they've also, a lot of the fishermen that have been interviewed call it the ghost of the water. Uh, when they go out and potentially scope out a fishing spot, they'll come to the edge of the water. And if they see a creature that looks like Nkele Bembe, they, or if the Nkele Bembe comes to the edge of the water while they are fishing, they pretty much stop fishing, pull everything in and get to shore uh, the fishermen don't mess with them. If somebody goes out and continues fishing or something, they just, they leave him. They don't help him. Uh, that was his own choice, and they they don't want to risk losing anybody else. Um, so they view even even if Kelly Bembe hasn't struck yet, and somebody's still out in the water and hasn't noticed him, they view him as kind of well dead in the water, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, f- I thought that was interesting as well. There's been no shortage of eyewitness accounts from local fishermen. It's really kind of their boogeyman. It's what they talk around, talk about around the campfire. But I've also read some things where it's like, okay, they're, they're kind of incentivized to talk up this myth. 
there's a, th- a theory and more of a concern that this could turn into kind of the Congo Disneyland, similar to how the Loch Ness Monster draws tourists every year and it's a huge deal and everybody's trying to go catch a catch a sight. Villagers are incentivized to back up each other and talk about Nkele Bembe because they do have expeditions that come through and it's very profitable to be a guide on one of those expeditions. But that being said, a lot of the descriptions and the details and those types of things do seem to match and the stories kind of corroborate each other. The other thing to kind of note, uh, a lot of the expeditions, uh, at least lately, and by lately I mean like the last 20 years, have been from early Earthers trying to refute evolution and say, hey, there's still dinosaurs here. Evolution's not true. So take that with a grain of salt as well. Yeah, that was, I think the most interesting thing to me is the idea that like these young Earth people are funding expeditions because if they find dinosaurs, that means that, I mean, and here, here we go. If we lose some viewers here, my, my bad. Uh, but I, I do believe in evolution. The fact that the idea of a dinosaur still living proves that the Earth is young. E- even if they did find a dinosaur in the Congo, I don't follow that logic. Yeah, or if they found, I don't know, a sublayer underneath the Mariana Trench where there was a megalodon. Right. Like, that doesn't prove that the Earth is young. Yeah, and I mean, we find, like... I mean, th- there's plenty of animals that are that are alive today from the basically the like the dinosaur era they talk uh one of the articles i was reading about in kelly and Bembe talked about the i think it was the rhino beetle the the rhino beetle is basically prehistoric it's been around forever and the idea that it's still alive doesn't fly in the face of evolution if anything it proves it because it's like this this little fucker can survive anything like a cockroach yeah yeah like a big armored fucking cockroach yeah yeah wild so going into sightings, the earliest hint of Nkele Bembe kind of dates back all the way back to 1776, where a claw-shaped footprint uh, was spotted by French missionaries. Now, claw-shaped, that's very ambiguous. That's back in 1776 or 1776. Nobody know like there's, there's no recordings of it, but there's documentation of it. That could have been anything. Um, like you had said, The very first mention of it came when dinosaurs and dinosaur hunting was really popular in 1909 with Beasts and Men, and that drummed up a ton of global interest around the creature. Two years later in 1911, my favorite type of firearm if anybody asks, (laughs) uh, Lieutenant Paul Gratz from Germany, and you'll see Germany pop up a couple times, uh, tracked one, and this is where I brought up the crocodile um, type viewing, but he tracked a creature that looked like a crocodile without scales and that had toes armed with claws. He didn't kill it, didn't capture it. He just spotted it and tried to track it and it got away. Hmm. And then later, um, in 1959, uh, there was a book called Exotic Zoology where it published a story from another German explorer uh, named Ludwig Freier von Stein zu Lauschnitz. <laughs> Good job. Um, <laughs> I, killed it. Killed it with the pronunciation tonight. Doing my best. Uh, but this one was actually back in Cameroon uh, in 1913. So again, just a couple years later, um, this one was a large reptile. So again, kind of like that crocodile looking thing feared by the locals. The reason that the author waited so long to come out and talk about it was because even he thought it was just completely unbelievable. He would be laughed out of rooms. 
and it, it just wasn't worth his reputation to bring it up. But 46 years later, decided then was the time. Uh, he then, that guy talked with a ton of sources and guides and different local people. And again, back in 1913, so before the whole expedition thing had really been drummed up and got a lot of stories that course or corresponding stories uh, with similar details that really backed each other up. Hmm. Following that in 1927, well, it was a 1927 published memoir from a guy called Alfred Aloysius Smith. He was working for the British Trading Company, again in Cameroon, doing some stuff there, doing some work, setting up networks, all of those types of things. And he spotted a reptilian creature there. He didn't have a lot of details uh, like Ludwig did, but... It is kind of just another sighting. We then go through kind of a lull, as I feel like a lot of cryptids do in the 30s, 40s, 50s, up to 1992, where a Japanese film crew, similar to the Ningen and a couple other cryptids that they've seemed to have a lot of success, they have kind of what's considered the best evidence, where it's aerial footage of some kind of shape parting water in Lake Tele. But I mean, it could have been anything. Could have been an elephant, could have been a hippopotamus, could have been a crocodile. It's just a very large shape from an aerial view that, I don't, I don't know, I've, I've looked at it. It's very ambiguous, but it is there. Um, 1992, we didn't have the best technology for that yet. But then in, in 2001, BBC broadcasted a miniseries all about the Congo. Locals there identified the creature as a rhinoceros. Back when they were local to the region, rhinoceri are no longer in the Congo, but like anything, that could be because of being hunted to extinction or migration patterns or those types of things, but that's where the locals identified it as a rhino. But the locals still today are very wary of Nkele Bembe. Uh, in 2016, I mean, there have been multiple trips looking into the myth lately within the last um, few years, but two of the major ones are in 2016... A South African film crew spent four weeks documenting or uh, filming a documentary looking and looking for Mkele Bembe, interviewing locals, and all the locals firmly believed in its presence. But that also kind of feeds that whole, it's really good for us to be guides. It's very profitable. So there is that. Um, and then kind of the final one is in 2018, a crew traveled to Lake Tele, uh, but they found nothing except a new form of green algae. So what's kind of interesting is, and you and I have found this from looking into this cryptid, while a lot of people have tried to find him, they've actually found a lot of really cool other things uh, in the process and discovered new species and new organisms. Um, when, when it comes to pop culture, and sorry, I'll, I'll let you, I know you've tried to interrupt me a few times, but I'll let you get in there in a second. Um, there have been two movies made specifically about Nkele Bembe, which is kind of shocking because Bigfoot only had one. And while it may be John Lithgow's finest work ever, Harry and the Hendersons, it. it's still only one. God damn it. Where every, every, every damn episode, John, <laughs> every damn episode has to mention Harry and the Hendersons. Also, there's more. We just had one. It's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Bigfoot. <laughs> Oh, man, that sounds like a Mads Mikkelsen movie if I've ever heard one. Anyway, uh, in 1985, there was a movie called Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. Um, it centered around five people on an expedition to find the creature. Uh, it made $14.9 in the box office back in 1985, which it doesn't look like it had a ton of production value, and it's got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, so... 
take that for what it for what you will. Yeah, that's on par with a uh, Doolittle, the the new Doctor Doolittle yeah. movie. It's the, they're they're the same. Yeah, I I don't know. They must have paid Robert Downey Jr. a lot of money. They must have backed up multiple Brinks trucks to his house and just started popping out not not dollars but gold bars because god damn he followed up Endgame with that. Yeah, Whew. yeah, that's a rough career choice. I, you know, but whatever. He's resilient. He'll be fine. Oh yeah, but then in 2012, um, there's a movie called The Dinosaur Project, again around an expedition to find Kelly Bembe, but this crew gets lost. Their helicopter gets shot down. Or I might actually be confusing the two movies, but <laughs> um, I think I am in this one. Sorry, in Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, their helicopter gets shot down and the pilot's killed, and they have to go find stuff but uh, in the dinosaur project it, it kind of feeds into what you had mentioned earlier where it's this whole lost world uh theory and they find a slew of different species of dinosaurs herds of them all tucked away and then they do not actually find them kelly bembe but it, it is very fascinating that they're everywhere one thing to note too is while there have been two cryptid related movies made about this thing rob Lowe was in neither of them um I'm very intrigued to see if he's going to continue doing his ghost hunting show since I don't know if you saw this, but he's on 911 Lone Star now, which first off, they didn't need one 911 show. Now they have two and it's in Texas. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, he's doing that. Plus he keeps ducking our calls. So I mean, like he can't be that busy. He can't be busy enough to turn down this podcast. Am I right? That's kind of my thought. Rob Lowe. Come on the podcast. People of Twitter, tell Rob Lowe to come on the podcast. Start in season two, right? Okay, so we've talked uh, a lot about Kelly Mebe. More, more, more than I thought we had in us. Where, uh, where do you stand on this myth, John? Fact or bullshit? I'm really torn because the, I mean, the Congo is so dense, and I mean, I've never been there, but looking at Google Earth, seeing what the topography looks like, seeing how many different rivers there are. It can plot onto land, theoretically. It wouldn't surprise me if there's some creature like this. And I know a lot of people in kind of the cryptid field seem to think that this is a creature that did exist and went extinct, you know, as recent as 10 years ago. But it just, I keep coming back to the timing on it coming out with um, Beasts and Men, Fever pitch, interest in dinosaurs, very convenient timing. It's really good for business for for tourists. I there's probably some kind of river monster that you don't mess with. It could just be a different you know different species of crocodile. I'm leaning towards no. I think it's a very interesting myth. I'm glad that we looked into it. It's something that I never would have heard about or understood in the past. It's apparently got pop cultures ear yeah that's a lot of money for um for like a weird movie to make yeah especially in the 80s like i don't know yeah um that's my thought what are what are you thinking i yeah so i think i'm also more on the bullshit side but like it is hard right because africa there are you know like all jungles and the ocean there's a lot of areas that are unexplored and i should say africa like like the congo river basin you know the congo river basin is is unexplored for, for a large chunk of it so there's probably a bunch of shit that we don't know that's hiding in there. I just find it, I find it pretty hard to believe that one of them is, is dinosaur like just because it wouldn't really fit in with our evolutionary chain that we have. And you're right. The timing is very suspicious. When you were talking about the sighting of the crocodile like creature, 
Uh, I was thinking, you know, that could honestly just be like a fucked up crocodile that got in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. Like, I mean, like, yeah, like, you know, like, or it had some sort of scale rut or something like that and just looked like it had smooth skin because it was dying. You know, these things happen. Uh, Like, have you seen Annihilation? Some weird crocodiles Uh, in there. The book was way better. Yeah, the movie was rough. I just watched this weekend. Speaking of cryptids, there is some weird stuff. Just check out the book. It's a good trilogy. All right. uh, I will read the book. But yeah, I think that this one is is bullshit, but I am very happy that we looked into it. And I wanted to give a special thanks to Fossil underscore Rexjaw on Reddit because he is the he or she, I guess I don't know their gender either. They are the one who suggested that we look into this myth and it was super fun. Like this is Yeah, thank you, Fossil. Yeah, it's one of the weirdest uh myths we've looked into, but yeah, it was a good one. And uh I think that's it. I, I like we're trying to keep the episodes a little shorter to, to keep up with viewer attention span. So, yeah, that's all I got. You got anything more, John? I mean, we could ramble if you want. What are you reading? Uh, what am I reading? I'm reading Thrawn 3. And, uh, How are you liking it? How far in are you? I uh, I think I'm like 65%. I don't know. Okay. It's all right. It's a fun Star Wars politics book. It's pretty I good. I think the first one was bar none the best. And, you know... Credit to Timothy Zahn, but I think he's definitely got a contract. And after he wrote the first one, he's like, okay, I'm going to shit these out. Yeah. And and you know what the other thing I'm reading is? I'm reading A Man of the Mountain because uh, I have the proof copy in my hands. And I have Ooh. to and I have to make my final edits on it so that we can push that paper back out. When, uh, when are we going to see Downpour, something that also takes place in the jungle? Uh, Downpour is actually also on my desktop right now, and I'm getting live edits from Jason. But I think... We're planning by May to have Man of the Mountain will be out. Uh, we're hoping to have another novel out from Aberrant Literature at the same time. But we're also going to Burning Cat, uh, the the conference that's being put on by the Oatmeal. Uh, Aberrant Literature was accepted as a featured creator. Uh, so we will have a booth in Portland in May. Uh, oh, so no you, shit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah, more info on that as that comes closer. But yeah, that's what I got. What are you reading? Uh, I'm reading... I just finished The Running Man by uh, Stephen King, Richard Bachman. That was pretty good. I thought the ending was, eh, weird last third of the book. <laughs> weird playing Classic Stephen fight. King. Yeah, that was so fucking weird. <laughs> but uh, I started, today I started the second Expanse book. And boy, you want to talk about cryptids. Within the first chapter, unkillable fucking mutant experiment. I'm so excited to see how this book goes. The first one was excellent. Nice. That's a that's sweet. I those are on my list to check out as well. They're good. They're uh, if you rent books through your library, I've noticed that like my local library's network has like ten copies of each book, so I there's like no wait time. It's really oh, nice. Sick. I'll pick that up after Thrawn then because I, I am sick of waiting. Uh, you know, fourteen weeks for some of these books. Yeah, it's brutal. All right. Well, you know, now you have some insight into our uh, into our literary stuff. Maybe I'll cut this. Maybe I won't. It's uh, it's good content. All right, that about wraps it up. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed. We're kind of doing a little bit of a new format. We're trying to keep things shorter. Uh, you know, of course, we've got Truth or Cryptid, which is amazing. If you, if you don't like it, uh, I, I guess send us something. We might not do it again, but I really enjoy it, uh, especially after doing it with our guest last time. I think next uh, we're going to be doing the Loveland Frogman. I, my guess is that episode's going to come out probably two or three weeks from now. It just depends on when I can find time to edit it. 
I hope it's on the sooner side of that, but also, you know, I'm doing edits on a book. I got a, I got a job. I got to do. I got things. But thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you do enjoy the show, share it around. Send us suggestions. Just let us know. Really makes our day whenever we hear that somebody is, uh, you know, enjoying listening. So thanks for sticking around. See you guys in a few weeks.